listener production. Okay, here we go. He is ice cool in moments like this. Oh, the big fella runs back into heavy traffic. Look at him go! Talk Journos edition, Danny Wadler. What have we got coming up? Uh, it's a long edition today because we're talking about beefs with players. <laughs> oh, yes. So, welcome to the four hour edition of Footy Talk. <laughs> Michael Chamis, what are you going to provide? You've also put on some beef. I'm going to talk about Benji Marshall, mate. He's, he's speaking again. I like it. <laughs> Wonderful. Footy Talk Journos edition, Michael Chamis. Adam a Peacock. Fresh haircut. Fresh fade, baby. <laughs> Fresh fade. You need it. And a man who probably has never got a fresh fade in his life, Danny Wildlife, I'd be surprised. How does a fro go with a fade? <laughs> it looked good. Would it? Look like an NBA player. <laughs> oh, that looked like an NBA player. It looked like an NBA player let, today. Let me, let me promise you, you I wearing? don't. What does that say? Uh, can you read? No, Motor Speedway Racing, Frosby Street. You know, I don't know. That's what the cool cats wear, Jamie. You'll, yeah, it's you'll really, it's really cool, mate. Yeah. How are we, gents? I'm, I'm actually happy that Michael bothered showing up because he's very late. <laughs> he didn't know we're doing the podcast, apparently. We do it every Thursday, 10.30. Jamie I'm, I'm just, a busy what, man. You forgot. I was on to the big one. He said, oh, are we doing the podcast? Uh, are we on to the big one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you got? Oh, no, I'm joking. I had to get a fade. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mate, the, the young kids are today, seriously. I know, it's ridiculous. Journos. So journos are late too. Like, what's mm. with that? Mm. Charlie, journos are the worst, aren't they? Players turn up on time. A good old-fashioned journo player beef is going to lead our rundown today, gents. Michael Karianis and Jerome Luai. And apparently, well, Jerome doesn't like the way Michael goes about his business from the Daily Telegraph and News Corp. And Michael, well, had this to say about their set two from last weekend. Post-origin game two in Brisbane, I ran into him at the airport. And I said to Jerome, I said, Jerome, after his social media post, and he's a guy that I've got along with, okay, I've defended a couple of times, and I said, Jerome, you're not a D-head, right? Why do you act like one, right, when you, you post that, that stuff? Just the two of you, one on one? Just us two of us. We're just there uh, in the airport. And he took great offence. Did he? To it. Well, so he should. You don't call him a d***head. I wasn't calling him one. So then we agree. Oh, I, I tee up an interview with him last week, the week before. Two weeks ago, yep. Through the club, and I get out to Penrith, and he goes, nah, I'm not doing it with that guy. Did he say that guy? No, he called me a gronk. <laughs> a gronk. I love a gronk. That's a great word. I thought, I thought, I thought, I thought, I thought, thought it was a keeper cronk. Yeah, yeah, you would. <laughs> I like gronk. gronk. A, yeah, gronk. But I don't know what it actually means, though. Before, we've got to be careful before, ah, we, before we endorse the well, gronk. Let's go say it was a cronk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's go with that. That wouldn't mean he's very orderly and very across everything. And, 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 and an 18-time premiership winner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jamie, look, it's probably a hard one for you to talk about because Michael's a good mate of yours. Yeah, what? How do you talk about this? Oh, it's what, funny because I actually I remember I was I spoke to him after Origin and I was on the phone to him and um, he said I got to go I've got to go Luai's coming past and then I didn't realize that was the conversation he had and then he called me back and he explained to me what had just happened so yeah look look Michael he's one of my one of my best mates and people get us confused all the time similar names hopefully not similar looks judging by. His melon, but um, oh, good mate, <laughs> Fabio over mate. here. Yeah. <laughs> hey, he doesn't have a fade. I, I'm a fade guy, but yeah, yeah he's got a fade of sorts. <laughs> <laughs> Fading on top, and he, he acknowledged that. Uh, love you, Mick. But yeah, and, and look, I've long defended Jerome Luai. I've had a lot to do with Jerome for a number of years. I sat down with with his father when his father came out of prison, and 
was quite emotional. His house in Western Sydney, his father was in tears and I've had a good relationship with the Luai family ever since. So it's a, a tough one for me. But if he doesn't like the way he reports, why hold it in? Why speak behind his back? Just at least he's saying these things to his well, face. He didn't write that he was that. He went to him and said, "I." But I, I, the fact that it came out, maybe Jerome didn't like the fact that it was um, it was made public. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But I've been in that situation before. We, I've never been in that situation where I've, I've gone to a player. Oh, no, I'm and saying said, you say something that, that you probably realise that you may yeah. not shouldn't have said. That's all. And probably keep it between you and the player. I mean, yeah. and I again, I I've spent a lot of time with Michael Carrier. I think he's a great bloke. But I probably wouldn't have done that. That's his call. I don't like agreeing with Buzz. I don't like agreeing with Buzz. <laughs> you can't <laughs> take that. Oh, sorry. Come no, on, you but can't I go agree after with... the, the veteran like that. Oh, hey, I'm a veteran too. <laughs> <laughs> you do the whole podcast. I that could voice? do the whole podcast one day. <laughs> one day. <laughs> Love but you, Buzz. It was, you know, yeah, I probably wouldn't have said it to him, but, you know, now it's become quite a thing, hasn't yeah, it? The thing with Jerome, though, I think Jerome is quite, I think there's a little bit of a siege mentality developed. Well, not a little bit. I, I think he's. Stuff to everyone else. I'll do things my way. If you don't good, like good the bad on luck, him. and good on him. And I think the more this happens, the more it. it some people will probably think, "Oh, you to learn from your mistakes." But Jerome's not the kind of guy who's going to care what people think right now. Well, he's a modern day mundane in that. Yeah, respect. I like him. I like his confrontational pl- approach. I like that he's prepared to be the villain, but he's got to cop what happens to him when he's the villain as well. I guess. But- yeah, well, he'll keep being the villain, which we've seen in this situation. He did. He, he posted that photo the other day of Carianas. I think you well, posted something else. Late breaking, he's just posted something, producer Charlie, who's all over his Instagram and all over Snapchat. He's just got people sliding into his messages oh, left, God. right and centre. But hope not. that's a story for another day, maybe for another podcast. <laughs> maybe the relationships the late, the late, one they do on the, the late night podcast. <laughs> but <laughs> James Hooper was sitting next to Michael Carianas the other night on 360. That audio wasn't from, it was from the Daily Telegraph podcast. Michael explained himself on NRL 360. James chimed in with his opinion of Jerome Luai and Jerome has just posted something on his Instagram with uh, a photo of hoops with just eggs all over the pay, all over it. It's a fine piece of artwork and a broken egg on top of James's head. So that's another <laughs> shot at, at hoops for that's the way he goes about it. He doesn't business. care, Jerome. He'll just keep no. doubling down. Yeah. And that's who he is now. And I'm I'm happy for him to be that. And I'm sure it'll happen to me at some point with him I'm, or you, my, who knows. But and I, I actually, when I've had a lot to do with him uh, in terms of interviews mm. and I find him to be, you're not going to believe this, but probably the most respectful bloke I deal with in the NRL. I agree with you, Danny. Like the most, like hands down, huh. mannered, thoughtful, respectful. None of this is going to wash well with people when I say it. Uh, but that's how he is, and that's to me. That's how he is. Will I have a Will I have a conflict with him one day? I don't know, but it's a possibility because he's a combative person, and he seems to thrive on that combat. He, I had a long chat to him uh, one day about it, and he talked about how the game needs these sort of villains. Like he sort of grew up Wally Lewis, for instance. He's not comparing himself to Wally Lewis, mm. but. Wally was a villain in Sydney oh, for yeah. different reasons. You know, the, the crowd used to chant. Oh, definitely. The game, need, Paul the game Gallen. needs it. Paul Gallen. He said Paul Gallen. And he said, you speak to those guys like when you speak to Jerome and they're good people. I mean, your Sunday column for a while there, 20 years ago, so it was the mundane files basically. Yep. You, you, yep. you relied a lot on because there were so many storylines. Well, he was a, he was a human headline. But he he's a bit like that as well. You, you actually couldn't the, meet a nice differential mate. between his persona in the public sphere and face-to-face was like, this isn't the same guy. Humble, caring. Mm. Uh, not a lot – when you interview sports people, not a lot of them will bother to ask about you. It's yeah, usually you asking about them. Yeah. yeah. Chuck will always go out of his – would always go out of his way, ask how your family is, 
you know, try and learn things about you. Mm. And that's was he didn't have to do that mm. because we had a good sort of professional relationship anyway. And I, I found him to be a, a charming, nice individual. I didn't agree with everything he said. Yeah. But I was happy to be a person who had the stories that he was willing to say things about. Righto then. I'm, this leads to our I just wanted to say, yeah. I, I, just on that point, like I, I've nowhere near as close as you were with Chuck, but I sort of similar a relationship with Kyrgios and his family that yeah, I've had over the years. Like a, a lot of people will bag Nick and there's some things that you see that he does and I'll sit there and shake my head as well and thinking, what is he doing? But when you develop that relationship with someone, if they have, the, if there's the mutual respect there, which there has been over the years with, with Nick and his family towards me, you just, you defend them because you see a side to them that not many people see. And I'm sure that's what with, with you over the years with, with Chuck, that despite all the criticism that he copped from a lot of people, you treat people the way they treat you. And that's, that's to me, the foundation of relationships, unfortunately. I, I'm great. I'm grateful way. for my relationship with Chuck. Whatever people want to say about it in the past, whatever, I don't, it doesn't worry me at all because he helped make me the journey I am today. That's mm. like him, Sonny Bill, yeah. relationships with guys like that where you you got to you got to experience their real life and the inner sanctum. It really helped. Here's where it's become really blurred though, as far as I can tell in the last 10 years with reporting of – any sport is that we're all at heart fans of the game that we report on or watch or whatever or broadcast. But, and then the personalities become involved and then there becomes a decision. Yeah, there's a, a point where you've got to report what's going on. And there's a point where your perspective is skewed because you know that person. And then that infiltrates your opinion and a byproduct yeah. you're so reporting. You've got a, it's a hard line to walk on, isn't it? And also, you've got to find, find, find balance in what, like, for example, speaking on the Kyrgios thing, I, I fell out with his management for a little bit because I don't know if you remember years ago, he wore a T-shirt to a to a press, it was only a print press conference, but it was a F Donald Trump T-shirt. Mm. And look, I wrote the story. Mm. The management rang me after wanting me to pull the story. Mm. The reality is he wore it out to, he wore it out to a press conference, which while there were no cameras, there were a lot of journos around. And they were concerned that he wouldn't be allowed into the States. It caused them all sorts of grief trying to get back into the States because at the time, Donald Trump had just been elected as president. Mm. But sometimes you have a job to do and, and you got to pick and choose your battles. But I feel as though... And you know for a fact that the cell, that what we call the cell on a digital copy of a story will be curious, like something mm. that is that easy to click on. It's not fun. Well, yeah, so and that, that one went global. Like you had, I had like people in England trying to interview me about, like it, it just became, yeah. especially with a megastar like that, there's, there's a balancing act that you have to you have to do there to work out, is this going to jeopardize your relationship to the point that you're not going to come back from? But the reality is if, it's, if he's wearing it in public, I think it's, I think it's, it's going to get written by someone. Biggest beef you've had, Danny? Oh, Biggest God. split you've had with a player or coach, Hang if on. you want to throw. Have, how long have we got? Yeah, well, I know yours, you and Gus, so that's easy. Nah. That's, tick that off. I have, I've off. had a lot. Yeah. Like I've really I had reckon a lot. You have. Like <laughs> writing the column that I've been doing pretty much consecutively since 1996, I only had a year off at one point because mm. Channel 9 didn't want me to do it. You're going to have absolute beef with a lot of people. You reckon you or Buzz, uh, Buzz leads the… Uh, <laughs> we probably… probably, when, probably did similar. Neck neck. when did you stop caring though? Like at the start, did you care? Oh, but I, I do care because I want to be right. If, no, no, if not I'm, that. You also oh. be right. But I'm saying when, if you've upset someone because you've written something that is right, does it affect you? You never want to… You don't… I didn't get into this game to make enemies. 
I'm probably unlike you. You love you, we had this conversation before where you love a, a stink. Racist. Um <laughs> How is that racist? It is, it is racist. It's trust not me. racist. It's racist. Racist. <laughs> anyway. Uh, no, racist to common sense sometimes. <laughs> but I yeah. Oh, that's a very good point. Do I care? Of course I care. Yeah. But if you know you're you're in the right and you're reporting something that's worthwhile, then you're going to report it and it is going to upset people. Well, what's um, the biggest one you had? What's the biggest? I've, I've been banned from teams. I've I had massive run-ins with um, Steve Folks, the late Steve Folks, mm -hmm. massive run-ins with Chris Anderson over various things I've reported. A well-known one probably to people more recently, I had a big run-in with Ben Teo uh, who works for Footy Talk. Mm. I'm not going to go into the, the background of it, but I ended up, we had a, like a confrontation at a, a press conference and he didn't want to speak to me. He then called me a few names, which I filmed and put it on air. I was the only one who actually, mm. which were derogatory towards me, but I still put them on air to show that, well, that's what he thinks of me. That's fine. Mm. So, yeah, we had massive blues over a story. Again, I'm not going to go into the people can do their own research on that. Charlie, um, um, just, just a quick one. Don't roster them two on at the same time. Right? <laughs> I'd have no problem with it. I'd have no, I'd have no anyway, drama. <laughs> I, I've had a lot of beefs with people. And that caused me massive drama with the whole club with South when they were they won the comp in 2014. Yep. They, the, the team didn't want to borrow me basically. Okay. And I've, I've since mended pretty much all of those ways, mm. all of those situations. Other beefs, plenty of beefs for the media. Mm. Oh, but that's media to media. That's just yeah, yeah, media that's competitive beefs. tension. Yeah, like Ray Hadley, Buzz, yeah, uh, yeah. whoever yeah. else, yeah, Rebecca Wilson, the late Rebecca Wilson. I've had stacks of them. But it truly gets – Christian Nicolucci. It yes. tr truly gets interesting though when it's a, a club <laughs> or a player saying, I ain't talking to that bloke. I, I've been told not to come to training by teams. I remember, I think it might have been at the Roosters when Anderson was there. I had to send, um, he's, he's our now sports head, uh, Chris Hodkinson, to, down there to do an interview for us because the Roosters wouldn't let me there. Oh, yeah. But again, mended. Uh, I, the Bulldogs at a time hated me. I can't remember why now. Back now, isn't Prob he, baby, with Gus? Well, probably Sonny. It was over <laughs> the Sonny Now he Bill. has a throne at Belmore. Yeah. Son, the Sonny Bill walkout. They, yeah. they hated me because of that. Well, because Sonny Bill decided oh, they didn't want to play there. <laughs> I just, because I it was. It was Todd Greenberg, wasn't it? It was Greenberg time. It was, yeah. It was yeah. just, it was all, oh, I think it was Greenberg, yeah. Yeah, Greenberg was he? would have been running it there. Yeah, I can't the remember. Period. Anyway, I was, I was not liked. Hmm. So, yeah, plenty of them. Plenty. I could talk for hours about them. I'd probably bore you with them. But, yeah. And you just, you have to get through them. Sounds um, like an off-season podcast, Charlie. <laughs> yeah, stacks of them. Um, but you get through it and yeah, it's usually because you've written a story that's right and they didn't want the story done. Yeah. Is that what you find as uh, well, Michael? Yeah, when... look, I, the players think that we're out to get them when in these situations. Like, for I've got an example with Ryan Madison and I've got no issues with Ryan Madison, but he had an issue with... <laughs> no, no, I, and I'm not going to sit here and bag him because, you know what, respect that he actually said something to me even though it was bit of a public forum. So I, I, at the time, this is a few years ago, I rang the West Tigers and said, I heard Ryan Madison wants out. Mm. At the time, they didn't know anything about it. I rang him again. They think they started to realize that there was an issue with Ryan Madison and him not ha being happy there under Michael Maguire. So they begged me not to write the story. They were four weeks away from potentially playing finals. They were still in the running at the time. And I said, I'll, I'll, I will hold this story on the proviso if someone else rings you about it, you do me the courtesy of ringing me and letting me know, and then we go with this story. And we can, mm. and that was the arrangement I had. I waited four weeks holding that story that Ryan Madison was going to walk out on the Tigers. They missed the finals, and once the season had ended, I rang the club and I said, "I'm going to go with this story now because I believe it to still be true." And that the next day, I think Ryan Madison 
I wrote the story. Mm. And I think the next day, Ryan Madison, well, he just, something, it was, it, it was right that Ryan mm. Madison wanted to leave the Tigers. And at the time, it was, it, was a, it was a big story and the club was going through their rebuild under Madge. And I wrote in a column somewhere that the players were disappointed with Ryan Madison. He either didn't turn up to Mad Monday or he, he didn't go to a, a, some sort of function and that the, club, the players were, were disappointed with him. Mm. But fast forward a few months, the Parramatta Eels asked me to come into the club because he obviously joined the Parramatta Eels. They asked me to come into the club and help out with a media session, like a media training session, which a few of the journals have done over the years. I think Brent Reid did one with the Roosters where he had an argument with Angus Crichton or the, the Roosters players wanted to kill him. Of course. So you I went a, into Parramatta. you get paid for that though? No. No? No. Get good access. Just, just agreed to help out. Well, I mm. thought it would be good access. <laughs> it's a multi-million dollar business and you're not getting a wedge. It's stupid, Michael. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> so we went in and as part of it, at the end of this, and Ryan, I could see Ryan Madison looking at me, which he was disappointed and I hadn't spoken to him since that whole period. And at the end, he, he basically asked if anyone had any questions about the media training, which we were doing with Neve Owens at the time. Yeah, he raised his issues with what I'd written. In front of the group? In front of Guffo, Michael Jennings, Blake Ferguson, Mitchell Moses, Regan Campbell, the whole senior play, playing. Yeah. There was only about 10 or 12 of them there to the point where he was not happy at all. Let's just say that. And the players were like, well, well, calm down. And then it had to, it had to sort of wow. calm yeah, the situation. Heated. Yeah, look, he wasn't happy. And, and, and I sat back after it and thought, I've got no issue with what I wrote because I know it was right. But you don't realise the effect that has on people, what you do. And, and yeah, I, I can understand his frustrations around it. His frustrations were the fact that I'd wrote the players were off him. And I'd spoken to a number of players who said they were disappointed with him. And that, I think yeah. that hurt him more than the fact that wrote the story that he was leaving the Tigers, was about to walk out. Yeah, Ryan Madison, if I saw him, I don't think he'd be a, a big fan. I think I ran into him at a cafe or something and yeah, just mm. ignored me, which, you know what, that's part of the job. Sometimes we write things that are going to upset people and... Mm. That's why I was asking Danny, at what point in his career did he not let that affect him? Because I think, you know, you're only human. You can, it's, that would, you don't want to upset people mm. for the sake of upsetting people and you realise the impact it has later on. We it impacts of, you as well, like in professionally. Like, like I went, one of my bigger ones was um, Cameron Smith. Yeah. And I wrote some stuff around the Alex McKinnon time and yeah. it was, he didn't like it. I tried to contact him about it to try and get his version of events and before I wrote anything and, he didn't want to talk to me about it. And that went for years. Like I, I think I did a, an entire kangaroo tour where he was the only player who didn't speak to me. Mm -hmm. But to his credit, when I was at a press conference uh, and I was standing a metre away from him and asking questions, he answered every question professionally and thoughtfully and with, with respect. Now he's now at Channel 9 and we've made up. Like I don't know if we're ever going to be best of mates, but I, I respect him enormously as a player. And what he did was he's arguably the greatest player to have played. And he put, he was able to, I think he was able to put a lot of what happened in the past to one side, but we're never going to be super tight. Guys, moving on to what's happening in New Zealand this week is the fact that the Tigers are playing in Hamilton against the Warriors. So it's going to be a huge atmosphere because everyone in New Zealand wants to go and watch a Warriors game at the moment. But interestingly enough, from a media perspective, uh, Benji Marshall is doing a press conference over there. Now, Benji Marshall has not talked to the media here in Sydney all year because he's not the coach. He's the assistant. Tim Sheens has done all the talking, taken all the bullets for the way the Tigers have performed. How does this make you feel? And I believe, Danny, you've made a uh, certain arrangement to well, some yeah. of your questions over in front of Benji because you've got some, you want some answers. And when we saw that he was speaking in New Zealand, we mm -hmm. thought, oh, well, there's an opportunity to ask some questions. So I sent 
the journos who are covering that or the journal, I don't know exactly who it was, was sent it through our foreign desk at work, just a, a list of questions that we wanted answered about Benji's season, about what he's mm. learning as a coach. You know, is he the coach? Is Tim Sheen's a coach? Is he ready to coach? How he's getting on with Scott Fulton? Questions that we all probably want answered, right? And I, I, I don't know how that went today. Mm. Uh, the only feedback I've had is that he might have got a little bit frosty about the Scott Fulton question. Okay. But I don't know. I, I haven't heard well, the interview at this point. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> he spoke a couple of weeks ago in Tamworth as well. It was a – but there were no – no Sydney journos there. It was just local. Well, I don't know. Well, we didn't have access to this either. Like, I, I think, I don't understand why we can't speak to him. Well, Benji's been keen on not disrespecting Sheenzy. Mm. I think it's a little bit of a smokescreen for not wanting to front the music just yet. Not that Benji can't handle it. Oh, this is what I can't understand. Benji he's has a gone brilliant through, media performer. Oh, he is. He's one of the best media performers you're going around. And he's handled so many situations as a player throughout his career, the walkout to go to rugby and a lot of drama has followed Benji Marshall. He can handle it. But the club has decided they want to protect him. They want to protect him. And they haven't put him up for media all year. They want to make sure that Tim Sheens, he's the front man. He's the guy that's running the team. And then you put him up in the two locations where no one can get to him. And Danny, you know, this is why they call him the snake. He gets there. So he still, <laughs> still finds a way to… Who, who calls me the snake, I Tammy? do. I do. So they the call him. Term. I do. Well, you know, you call wow. me the mosquito. I need to give yeah, you an animal. The mosquito sure. gets everywhere as well, let me tell you. That yeah, well, sucks blood. I can, so. I can bite the snake without buzzes, even realising. Buzzes around your head, bites you. You can't, you can't relax. It's just yeah, around Yeah, when you're you. trying to get to sleep, it's just, just like the only yeah. thing in the room you can hear. How does a snake… Very deadly. Very deadly. How does a snake float a mosquito away? They can't. What are we, a national geographic? <laughs> well, you look like you're going on some sort of adventure with that hat. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah, but Benji, just... the way that they've done this, I don't know, you might know more. Is it because they want to uh, promote the event? Not that they need to sell a ticket in Hamilton well, that, to be week. fair, that's To be fair, Benji is, Benji is the king in New Zealand. And I think it's great that the club's put Benji up there. They'll have some sort of deal with... Uh, the tourism company over there to make sure that they promote them. And I think- Could be in the contract, for instance. Well, I don't know if Benji specifically speaks. Benji, but I'm sure it would do their relationship with the people there a lot, a lot of, of good, good to have yeah, Benji yeah. up. So but Benji yeah. can handle it. Like, I really think he can handle the media. Like, I've I've seen him perform so well. He worked in the media. Yeah, he can handle it, but I, I don't know if you want Benji, put Benji in a situation where he has to lie. So let's just play the, let's, let's play the game here. You're Benji Marshall, and I'm the reporter asking you, how's your relationship with Scott Fulton? Great. You gonna tell me that it's frosty? You gonna tell me that you haven't agreed on all this? It's great. Yeah. Whatever Scott says goes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, that's probably why, because they, if you hide him, he doesn't have to talk the truth. He doesn't have to lie to people, and that's sometimes lying is worse than actually the issue that's going on. If you're trying to, to cover he's, something he's up, gonna be, he's going to be a head coach. You know, according to you, next year, right? He's, <laughs> he's got to be pretty able, much the head coach. Yeah. So he's got to just face it. I, I don't know if it's him. I don't know if it's him trying to hide or if it's the club trying to protect him. I'm not saying him. he's trying to hide. He's just got to face. He's got to get up there. and Like poor old Tim Sheens is just wearing it everywhere. One thing I think Benji is mindful of is that his relationship with Tim Sheens deteriorated pretty badly as a player and coach. Like, they won't probably admit it, but I remember going to Tim Sheens when we did a special piece for Benji's 300th game. Tim Sheens didn't want to give a tribute to Benji Marshall. That's really? How, yeah, yeah. I, I rang Sheens in New Zealand. Wow, that's a bit of a bombshell, Chammy. Well, I don't think things ended well. And I don't know if Tim felt as though Benji or the senior players there had a part in his demise or not. But whatever reason it was, there wasn't a, a relationship that was there. They didn't speak for many years. Mm. How did they make up? Well, when he, when he came back. When he came back. to and, and I think that Benji wants to make sure that Tim feels like he's got his respect and he's not trying to white-ant him. 
And it's not the case at all. To be honest with you, from what I hear, Benji's going over and beyond to make sure Tim feels like he's running the club, mm. that it's to the detriment of the actual team. Benji just needs to take control. I, I, look, I, I respect Benji for that because Tim, Tim's done a lot for him over his career mm. and he wants to make sure that Tim finishes off on the right note, whatever that may be. Well, interesting though that this week, did you say you got Russian blood? Yes, half yeah. Russian. So you you and you operated like a head of a KGB here. You've got your operatives everywhere in the world. That's how you do it though. <laughs> That's how you, you can't always be everywhere. So you've got to ask for cooperation. Well done, Vlad. Off to a break. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, Payne Haas rejecting the Broncos, is that the right headline? Yeah, or is I don't it know. playing the field and just, you know, keeping the Broncos there, uh, seeing what else is out there? So Payne Haas's manager sent me a statement to read on 100% footy on Monday night, and it didn't say a, a hell of a lot. The tone of it was, we don't want to be disrupting what the Broncos are doing because Payne was heavily criticised previously for wanting out immediately. The fans all booed him. Because he was he was critical of the Broncos then, basically saying that he didn't see a future for the club as being a, a powerful force in the game again. The, I think the the idea from the manager uh, is that we don't want to be that person. We don't want to be the, we don't want to disrupt the season. So if they're rejecting it, well, I think he's entitled to. I think he's entitled to go to November one if he wants to, because for a long time the Broncos got him at a pretty good price. So I think he's allowed to see what he actually can get. I don't think there was going to be a hell of a lot of difference financially for Payne Haas between the Broncos 1.1 and whoever else, just say Tigers or the Dogs or whoever wants to throw money at him. What could it get to, Chammy? Oh, if you, yeah. Oh, look, he could probably get to 1.3 if someone wants to be ridiculous. Which, which is not, to come to Sydney, it's much of a muchness, right? Yeah, yeah lifestyle-wise. The thinking behind pain at the moment and you might disagree with it. You, you might say I'm crazy for saying it is he wants to know what clubs can do for him after football. He's 23. Are they, is he, are they allowed to promise him anything well, after football? but you can That's introduce. Away. He can be introduced to people. He can meet the right uh, You know what I mean? Like, I can see what you see where um, your head's at now. And sort of help him plan his life after football. It doesn't have to necessarily be, I'm not saying a job. Wouldn't the Broncos have the best network in any way? News Corp. Anywhere in the whole country? Well, the, maybe is that's... Is the thoroughbred club still going up there? I, don't, I think that's. I think they were trotted out of town. <laughs> Can I ask you a question, Danny? You're very you, you close. You just did. Yeah, well, no, I haven't. I haven't asked what I wanted to ask, and I'm just trying to word this correctly. But you're very close to the... Yeah, you think you're funny? He's laughing over there. Can you get a sound effect in there for that? <laughs> a little drum bang? <laughs> little what, what, what a moron. <laughs> hey, me, you, or Peacock? What I don't a, know who you're talking about. All snake. of us? Stop snaking me. Anyway... <laughs> You're, you're very close to Coda Nasser and Sonny Bill and stuff. Is there a similar mentality here with the way they, having spoken to Coda over the years, I feel as though that it wasn't just about money with, with Sonny. It was about respect and it was about opportunities. Is there a similar way of thinking with Payne Haas? Because he's very close to them as well. I think he's close with Sonny. Hmm. Uh, I don't think he's that close with Coda. Like I think they know each other. Yeah. But I wouldn't say... The relationship between Sonny and Coda was remarkable. Like they were inseparable. He really made a, a, a huge impact on Coda. Made a huge impact on Sonny's life. So I don't think, but I don't think Coda has that same relationship with Payne. But Sonny's got a pretty good one with him, uh, and I think that 
Sonny is seen like like Benji is a was a huge figure in New Zealand. Like Sonny's a huge figure for a lot of NRL players. Uh, a lot of them when when you when you talk to young players, the, the ones they really admire are, are Benji and, and Sonny mm. across the board. So I think Sonny is someone who Payne might have really looked up to, and he probably is hanging on every word that he says. And Sonny's experiences, his wisdom, what he did right, what he did wrong. So I think he'd listen to him. Yeah. I don't know if he if Sonny says go and join the Roosters, he necessarily would. Yeah. But just on the surface, it seems yeah, like there's, there's, there's a there, lot there, of money there, there. Is it just about <clears throat> is it the way he was treated before? Is it the way he's being treated now? Like it can't just be about money because he'll he could write the his money, check at the, Brisbane. The money's gonna be largely the same. Yeah. I mean, unless he goes to rugby. Do you reckon he's a chance of going to rugby? Well, European rugby would throw a lot of money at him. I'm not saying it's in his. I don't. I don't know Payne well enough to say. Like I used to have a. I used to be able to speak to Sonny a lot and know what he was thinking. I can't say I know exactly what Payne Haas is thinking yeah. in terms of where his future lies. I know what um, one of us in this room is going to think about our next topic here. Am I walking out? The RLPA dispute. <laughs> See, <ya. laughs> here's Peter Volandi's on 100% footy with Danny. Peter, the players clearly don't trust the NRL. Oh, no, I, I disagree with you. The, I think the players, a lot of them don't actually know the issues. If the players knew that they've got the best conditions and monies in the history of the game, if they knew they're getting a 37.4% increase, if they knew they've gone from six weeks to nine-week annual leave, if they know that we've got no intention whatsoever increasing the number of games, um, I don't think they'd be in a position where they are now. What if Clint Newton walked into this room now? How long would it take you to sort it out, do you think? If we couldn't do it in a day, I'd give it away because they're not big issues. They're not, you know, if both parties came in here in good faith, you could settle those issues pretty quickly. Probably a couple of hours, to be quite frank with you. Well, those couple of hours haven't happened as we sit here right now. No, I, could... I gave it to him too. I said, I rang him yesterday. I said, you had the couple of hours, you didn't do it. <laughs> and he hasn't given it away either. No. Time to give it away, PVL. <laughs> what did he say? He said, oh, I was almost know. there. I was almost, I almost got it. But I think they're, they're talking again this afternoon. He's been, um, he's been Thursday as we said. Thursday. Um, yep. I think they're, they're talking again. I think they're getting close. Uh, I don't know if we'll get a resolution today necessarily. And I, I think that the funding of the RLPA is still an issue, what they're going to get out of it. Is that for, the biggest Sticking I point. think the remaining, I, I don't, look, again, I, that's what I think is still the remaining issue. I could be wrong. Not the free tickets to the corporate box? No, 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 no. Or maybe, maybe. They'll um, go through that. But <laughs> I, think that, I think that's still an issue okay. and they have to sort that through. But whether we get a resolution on Thursday today, I don't know. I, I wouldn't expect it though. We're going to have a big celebration when it happens, Jamie, like a big V-Day celebration walking down the streets of the, the main cities of Australia. It won't affect my life. No, it's all mine. Well, I mean, we, we can stop talking about it. I already have. Nothing to add? Oh, I don't know what there is to well, add. Well, Volandis did well, didn't he? He I came the questions in, were better. <laughs> he came in and decided that, you know, he's going to get it done and he's, yeah. he's moving hard to get it done. I said this a few weeks ago. I, I, the RLPA were always relying on Peter Volandis coming back. And I've spoken to Peter about it. He knows that they, they were going to play the ego around, around the saviour and you know, we all know what happened around COVID and, and the applause that... Peter Volandi's got for bringing the game back before and everyone well else. Yeah, and well-deserved. But I think the RLPA, their strategy was get Peter back, let him feel like he's saved the deal, and they might be able to get, but he's not get that a deal. Silly, mate. No, I, I'm not, that's what I said. I've had that conversation with him. He knew what their game was, which is why he's been back for a few weeks now. 
and it's taken this long for them yeah. to get in the room. So there was, there was an obvious coming. There was an obvious impasse with the personalities that were trying to get it done. And you bring someone else in like PVL, and yeah. I, I don't know what has been what they've managed to you know, sacrifice or what's been negotiated. There, I don't know who's won really, who's well, given for, up more. These are the things you only find out after the fact, not during. And the they'll fact. both spin and it the way they care? want to spin it. You really can't. Not really, because no. none of these things that they're arguing about actually affects the product, yeah. which is why the fans don't care. It doesn't affect what they from what they see week to week. Doesn't affect anything else. Okay, it affects the players in the long term, whatnot. But the fans actually. The product they see week to week, there's no change. There we go. We got him talking about no, it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm talking about footy. Quick one to end things. Buddy Franklin, Swan's great, former Hawthorne, premiership winning player, didn't show up to his retirement announcement. How's that allowed to happen? Because it's Bud. He but, can do what he wants. But Buddy's on – part of the RLPA. <laughs> Buddy's on what? Was he signed a $10 million contract yeah, over yeah. nine years or something like yeah, that? Yeah. Surely in all those millions of dollars, you'd say, listen, Buddy – if you, you could. If you can, can do you yeah. mind when you retire just having a quick chat to <laughs> Oh, the yeah. I'm sure that's what they're thinking about when they signed him no, 10 years ago. Hey, buddy, when you retire, it's all, it's all sit down and we'll have a chat about your retirement. No, but it's all part of a deal of being a, a big figure in the game. Like there's – I don't know AFL well, but he'd be, what, in the top five superstars of AFL? He'd be the most well-known name in the sport. Like yeah. if you go buddy. And so let's talk about in go. the country then, right? In the co- yeah. So you want to – he's got a lot of fans. So why didn't he do it? Oh, I'm asking. I don't well, what know. happened was, to give you the backstory, he tore his calf. Calf injuries everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, You're an expert his... on those now, <laughs> I don't know what. There's two calf injuries. One affects your fast twitch and – no, anyway. Um, <laughs> Upper or lower. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Tore his calf. He woke up on the Monday morning and went, you know what? I'm done. Mm. Rang the CEO, rang the coach, gathered the boys, got them in the meeting room, said thanks very much. They filmed it for the Swans TV or whatever, put that vision out, and then they let the the CEO and the, the coach do the retirement press conference with the general media. But Buddy is the type of character, and there'll be a few of these in rugby league, that will be happy once they're finished playing to never have to do another interview ever again because he just he's not that character. Mm-hmm. Now, it, it could come to pass in five years' time he ends up hosting his own podcast yeah. or whatever like that. This is the weird thing. But, like, Mark Waugh. Hated the media. Hated doing media and you know what? He when was, he was playing. He was hard to deal with from the media <laughs> yeah. perspective. And now he's fantastic on television. He's brilliant and on TV. Him and yeah. So it's weird how it works out, but you're right. I think someone from the AFL could have said, hey, bud, you've been paid pretty well. Can you just is say that a Gil, few what, words? Is that Gil Blake? Is he still there? Gil. Yeah. 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 Could Gil have said, listen, just – as a thank you Courtesy. to your fans, just yeah. let them hear from you. I, I find it Because I can imagine the rugby league media, if that happened in rugby league, oh. the, the story would not end up being about the guy retiring and the retrospective glory. Jamie would be on 360, giving <laughs> it to him. On 360? Oh, one of those shows. On 360, you got me going across the Fox. He's oh, trying yeah. to get rid of me because he's only on my I, I think I had that dream, actually. I think I had that dream that you're on 360. Yeah? Yeah. You want me gone? I'll tell you one it's thing, Danny Wilder. dream, Chammy. When you retire, I'm rocking up to your uh, farewell press conference. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> It'll be very short. Mate, I'll be there too. Oh, I reckon a few yeah, players yeah, too. Just a few ask knives. A few knife and blood on it. Gentlemen, that's Footy Talk for this week. Have a good week, everyone. Don't go starting any beefs, all right? Love you all. Nice to be here. (laughs) Still. (laughs) 